Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8.10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. And if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever date happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome, finally, to episode 122 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by a full house of co-hosts this evening. First of, first of all, Adnan Ikich at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. Good to finally be up on YouTube. Uh, I was making a joke before that uh, Tack McKinley was intentionally taking YouTube down. He didn't want us to fire off any hot takes. Yeah. You know, he, he saw the episode a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, he knew we were coming locked and loaded for him tonight. So, uh, un- unfortunately, he can't keep the interwebs down. Uh, and we are ready to go. Uh, so, yes, at long last, we are here, thankfully. Uh, also with us tonight, Eric Robinson, at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Been uh, been arguing with a few folks on Twitter today. But, hey. <laughs> okay, so you're locked and loaded, basically, is what you're saying. I'm locked and loaded. Let's yeah. Do it, okay, baby. we're good. <laughs> also with us tonight, Keenan Forney. He's at K Forney sixty five on Twitter. Keenan, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How y'all doing, man? Missed y'all last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we're 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 hanging in there uh, and ready to uh, talk some football. We got another win. Under the belt, so Falcons are three and six now, three and one under new head coach Raheem Morris. Uh, you know, the, so close to being four and up. Just this close to being four this and close, up. yeah. Well, that's the problem with you know these these games that the Falcons are winning. They're they're cutting it a little close for comfort. Uh, you know, we're still seeing some of those unfortunate uh, blowing games habits rearing their ugly rearing their ugly heads. Well, yeah. So we almost did it last week. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was it was a little you know close for comfort there. Um, so we are uh, hoping that you know we figure out what's going on with that. But yeah, so tonight we're going to get into that uh, week nine game, the victory over the Broncos. We're going to talk about Tack McKinley, of course. No way we could get out of here without that. We're going to take you guys, take all your questions, uh, do some draft takes, and then try to figure out if this team can actually finish strong like they have the last two years and whether that will be enough to make them competitive at the end of the season or not. It's still pretty dicey, but, you know, it's technically possible, technically. So we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I know some folks were accusing us of being too negative after the Denver game. Um, I was just very upset with Dirk Cutter mostly. So uh, there's going to be Dirk, Dirk Cutter slander, but we can still, you know, say some nice things about the team too. Um, 
So I know Adnan and I were here for the post-game show, so I wanted to get the folks that weren't here a chance to, to kind of give their thoughts on the game. Eric, how about you kick us off? What were some of your takeaways from the Falcons' win over the Broncos on Sunday? Um, you know, going into that game without Calvin Ridley, I felt like someone was going to, you know, of course, needed to step up opposite Julio. I mean, Julio was out there. He was healthy. He was looking good. But he's going to see his fair share of double teams. And, and they got that from Alameda Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. uh, who had a 100-yard day and a touchdown. Um, so seeing him being able to step up in that situation um, was huge going forward for this team. Um, and, you know, it's – it. The team looks overall, they look a lot different mm-hmm. compared to when Quinn was there. You, you see it on the Morse. They, there's a lot more confidence. Of course, that comes with wins, but there's a lot more confidence. There's a lot more aggressiveness with this team now. They're going, especially on defense, you know, early on in these games, you know, they're hitting, um, they're attacking. Mm-hmm. They're not sitting back and waiting for the offense to come to them and, that's what I like to see, and that's something that we've been wanting to see from them for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully they can keep this up. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, Keenan, your, your thoughts on uh, Sunday's game? Man, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm glad they got the win. They're playing <laughs> with a lot more energy out there. Uh, they got Julio involved in the game early. Um, Foyer, I think he got defensive player of the week for his effort this past week, mm-hmm. so I'm just glad they finding a new mojo, a new uh, something to get them going out there, man. Yeah. Good win. Yeah, it, it was a good win. And, like, it, it was interesting because it was very – it was dominant. It was kind of like the Vikings game for most of it. And then things kind of got out of hand there in the fourth quarter as they seem to have, have a habit of doing with this team. But, I mean, for the most part, there's a lot of positive takeaways. The team played better in all phases up until late. Um you know, the offense was humming, and some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Denver was down their two starting corners, so the Falcons should light them up, and they did. Um, but, you know, the outside of some, like, you know, quibbles with Cutter's scheme, and particularly the run game, and the Broncos are a better run defense than they are a pass defense at this point, it, it was a good performance on offense. And on defense, I mean... This is about what you should expect from this defense at this point. Like they can, if they can keep a team, you know, held down for a half, that's about the upside of this defense. I think. Like we shouldn't expect them to be shutting people out or you know holding teams under ten points or anything like that. Like this is not that type of unit. But if they can just be like twentieth in the league instead of thirty second, like they were the first four weeks of the season, you know, this this team could win games as we're seeing now. I, 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 yeah, you're you're right with that, but I still want to see them make some plays late, man. Like I, I mean, it's it's kind of like what they did that 2016 year when they went to the Super Bowl. You know, you saw late in the season that defense was able to make plays in the second half to you know to to put games away. I I need to see that from them at this point. I mean, we're they're playing good for the first three quarters. They're out there, like I said, they're hitting, they're firing on all cylinders, but. That fourth quarter, man, I don't know what it is, but they just can't make a play to save their life. And it's just, it's irritating. In, in fairness, that should have been the interception by Ricardo Allen in this last game, but then the offense just, like, got a penalty, which stopped the clock, which gave Denver another opportunity on the last drive. Mm. 
So it, it I think it it's partly had, had has to do with the offense isn't helping the defense at the very end of the game. We've seen it the last two weeks, mm. and you, you know even if you want to go back to that Lions game with with the girly situation, right. whatever. But you saw it last week when Gurley stepped out of bounds uh, against the Carolina Panthers when it was clock-eating situation. And you saw it again this week where the offense just, they had the they had the game. They had the game salted away, but then they came up with a dumb penalty, which gave Denver another opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I get I get that. Um, and then what you're saying as far as the offense doing their part late, but they're not going to be able to do their part late in every game. There's going to be a couple games where, like in the Carolina game, where the the offense needed to make a drive. The Panthers knew that the offense needed to make a drive. They got them off the field and put the ball back in their hands in their offense. Like it's, this defense has to – they can't get bailed out every game. But yeah. I, I do see your point. I agree with it. You know, maybe Dirk needs to be with, – with the play calling in the fourth quarter, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive because you it, even in the fourth quarter on offense, they seem to be conservative a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, so – like going back to the Chicago game, you know, they needed they needed to be not conservative, but they ended up playing to the way that the Bears wanted them to play. Um, and that defense just I, – I, I just don't want to make excuses for this defense. I don't want right. to make – they need to make a play. It's yeah. going to happen at some point. Yeah, and like I know – I get what you're saying. And it's like it seems to be the issue is like they just don't really have a good feel for closing out a game on offense. They like, um, Like when they should be just running and, and trying to get – like the the Broncos have a very good run defense. So like you're, you're unlikely to get much on the ground, especially if they know you're going to run the ball. Like so like in, a, in some ways it's like I understand that they wanted to mix in some passes to try to get a first down. But this team recovered two onside kicks. They got the ball at like the – on the, on the Broncos' side of the 50. They needed to get 10 yards, you know, 20 yards maybe to get a field goal, and they they basically got nothing both times and ran a total of like a minute off the clock. Like, that's just unacceptable. Like, either run the ball three times and force the other team to burn their timeouts or burn clock or commit to going for the first down. Like, pick one. <laughs> like, I think you can make an argument for either one, but this, like, we're going to run two plays and then throw on third down because we still have eight yards to go. Like, no, just commit to burning clock. Like, you're, you, you know, just commit um, to one strategy and, or another. And, and it was the bad penalty, too, which stopped the clock uh, yeah. on the last drive. Mm-hmm. It should have been 40 seconds off, which leaves Denver with, what, 12 seconds? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's ball game either way. But I agree completely that Dirk Cutter's feel for end of games and you know it's only 10 minutes in when we're already you know bashing Dirk Cutter but um <laughs> it doesn't wait long yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it goes back to that Chicago Bears game too where you have that big lead in the fourth quarter and you have that drive which lasted a grand total of 11 seconds it's like pass 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 mm. and it's like dude like what are you doing just like he, he it doesn't feel like he has that play calling instinct and yeah. you know I, I i'm not here saying that you know i have that or i would do a better job but i certainly think there's plenty of candidates that would around the nfl i just there there's certain things that you know it, it seems like he doesn't have a feel for the game late you know you either get run 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 on the last drive or you get pass 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 on the last drive but mix it up man i mean you, you 
in some cases, all you need is a couple first downs. At you know, in those particular situations, why not? That would be great to honestly to run maybe a couple bubble screens with Julio and just to get the ball in the hand in his hands and still be able to keep the clock moving. You don't have to try to force the ball 30 yards down the field to try to get the test down. Right. But you just want to get that clock moving, but you also don't want to be like predictable with it. I think with the, you know, in, in those certain games, like they knew they were going to throw the ball against Chicago. We all, everybody pretty much knew that. Even though we wanted them to run, the formations, the way they were, they were going to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, with, you know, the Detroit game and same thing with Carolina. Like we knew they were going to run, which we kind of felt they needed to run, but you called runs to the sidelines instead yeah, exactly. of the field. <laughs> right. Like it's, it, that's the thing. Like you, you're not, you Right, like, it's I, like you're I, asking I the player to go against the play design and not run out of bounds. And, like, and, right. and he was, and for some reason, like it's funny that was like the one time he was calling plays to the outside, was, right. like, calling for <laughs> right. that forever. Right. And he's like, "Oh, no, not, I'll give him what they want now." Yeah. No, don't do it. Yeah, don't don't do outside zone runs now towards the sideline where they can easily just push Gurley out of bounds, or he ends up running out of bounds on his own. Like it's just, it's like he doesn't have a, a feel for the game late, man, and and it's it's irritating. It's very discouraging to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm sick of uh the offense not not getting it done late in the game. You know, mm-hmm. it even goes back to that uh certain game from a few years ago where you know run 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 would have <laughs> won it for you and doesn't it but, always seem that's the time in the game where the offense doesn't move at all that's the one time in the entire game they don't it, it, it's such a psychological thing too it's like the offense <laughs> is like going so well going so well and then it's like you're just like playing against yourself at that point as a play caller where it's like all right i want to kill the clock so i'm going to go away from passing and you know you end up just like giving the ball back and it's not just the falcons this is like with every team in the yeah, nfl yeah. it's true yeah one thing i think our offense is built to you know what i mean to strike fast you know and they mm-hmm. hadn't figured out the you know hey let's uh get into four minute offense and drain the clock at the end of the game part yeah yeah you know, we got so many weapons and they're trying to hit it fast and yeah cutter just hadn't figured that last part of it out yet well, hell, you got 500 plays. You mean, <laughs> you mean to tell me you don't have 50 or 60 plays set aside for late game situations? You should. Mo- you should. Mo- I mean, Mo- they talk about on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> right. You should. Uh, mo- most of those 500 plays are variations of how to run up the middle. <laughs> off so, okay, left guard, off right guard, off center. Kino, let me ask you real quick. What's up? When, when it came to practice during the week, at what point during the week or how often did you guys focus on the late game situations when it came when it came to play calls and things of that nature? On Fridays. On Fridays. Friday morning meeting, yep. Friday mornings you working on uh two minute, you're working on your four minute offense. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So there was a That's day actually, de- you know, your close you pretty much your closing out offense. You know how so you there was there was a day devoted to that. Yes, sir. And you had plays category, like I mean, every day they're giving you a new play sheet trying to update it. Hey, this is what we're going to run on first and second. This is what we're going to run on third and medium, third and long. And then on Fridays, we're, uh, you're putting polish on all of that, but then you're also working your two-minute drill. You do two-minute at the very beginning of practice, and then you go four-minute, you know, for the majority of your team plays. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Dirk Cutter probably takes Fridays off. 
Man, I hope that's not the case with this team. Because if that is, my God. If they're if they're focusing on this on the Friday before the game and they're still having these issues, like man, this is this is yeah. a problem. Yeah. yeah and, then they go uh, ahead and then they walk through it again on Saturday too. So on I Saturday. mean, like two days on it. Right, right. Yeah, I do want to shout I mean, out. A to... lot of them plays. A lot of them plays are plays that you run in anyways in the game. So it's mm-hmm. just all they're doing is like, hey, when we get in, you're just throwing a scenario. Game, in. Right. This is right. what we're gonna run, and mm-hmm. this is where we're gonna run it. And we got to keep the clock going. We got to keep the defense off the field if they having trouble. We gotta, you know, keep play keep away pretty much. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do want to shout out to Tyler Russell with the five dollars. Thank you, brother. We really appreciate you. Uh, Tyler says, appreciate your honesty and wit. Keep up the good work, team. So happy Tack is gone. I wonder how many more bad attitudes are in the locker room. Um, hopefully, uh, he seems like the most vocal one. I mean, uh, honestly, I haven't heard of any other ones, like uh, any rumblings, really. I mean, I don't know if you guys... Uh, yeah, this is new to me because I, yeah. don't, I don't really... I can't recall any player bad-mouthing the organization no. in any past few years. He was really the only one. Yeah, I mean it. It really seemed hey, like he, and was he waited until after Quinn left, so I'm wondering what's really happening behind the scenes. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, Deidre Sanat, you know, is inactive every Sunday, but he's not, you know, complaining. So <laughs> they don't even let the man practice. <laughs> they just said, like, no, sit on the bench, Deidre. Yeah. Oh man. Get your check. Right. Yeah, and I know Jail Hunt's trying to figure out what's going on with Marlon Davidson too. I mean, I guess what we've heard is it's like conditioning related, maybe. Like he's yeah. just coming back yeah. from COVID, so it makes yeah. sense. So makes with sense. with yeah, with the knee injury along with him being out for COVID, he he simply doesn't have a ton of practice reps this year. Yeah. So you don't want to take a guy like that and just throw him into the game. So if, if that is the case, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. The guy hasn't mm-hmm. practiced a whole lot this year. Yeah. I you don't want to put him out there against seasoned veterans. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're just looking at it on TV, but I'm sure Keenan can, you know, attest to it better than any of us just how much conditioning is needed to be going high impact like that play after play for the mm-hmm. entire game on, on the on the lines in the trenches. Yeah, you need to be you need to be in shape, but also too, um, if you a baller, you a baller and they'll play you in the shape. Right. So something ain't happening in practice, yeah. which is leading to him not getting out in the game as much. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, you know, that if is you, my you're doing your thing in practice. They'll be like, "Hey, yo, we need to get him some snaps." You know, start playing him right. in the shape. Right. right. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I I would think they would look for literally any excuse to play their second round pick, and the fact that he's yeah. not getting on the field is, I mean, it's somewhat concerning. But we do know, like, he didn't really get to practice much in the uh in in preseason time because of it he had an injury and then he missed a lot of time with covid um we, we don't know how sick he was if he was symptomatic you know what was going on there um so you know hopefully we'll see him soon i mean i would think that if we don't see him after the bye i think it's time to be pretty concerned but um and then it's a deidre snob 2.0 scenario <laughs> in that case. what is it with this team in day two like defensive linemen they just can't find the field man yeah, it's weird. And I'd be concerned about it now because when you select a guy in the second round, he's essentially pretty much a first-round pick. Right. You know, you think about it, those are guys that slipped out of the first round for whatever reason, you know, just because not every team, they don't have enough picks in there. So, I mean, a lot of those guys are great at first-round talent. They just fell out of there. So, yeah. I'm I'm concerned. Yeah. It makes me – it makes my antennas go up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and it's not like we have these like all world defensive tackles next to Grady Jarrett. <laughs> no, I mean honestly they've been they've been fine. But yeah, I mean outside of Grady Jarrett it's been, you know, fine. So hopefully you would think your second round pick could be better than fine, but I don't know. Well, he's got like a million and some signing bonus, man. Yeah, they want him to get out there and play and earn that money. So yeah, something, yeah. something ain't going right on the field. I right. He's right. a so he was just a plain old healthy scratch last week. So I'm assuming He's practicing this week. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't on. A, he wasn't on IR. He wasn't on a reserve COVID list. They mm-hmm. just. He was a health. He was deemed and tagged as a healthy scratch. Yeah, See so what I'm saying. So I'm assuming he's practicing practicing this week. I'm hoping he is mm-hmm. because this stretch of the season, this is a stretch you want to get him in there. You yeah. want him to get him in there to go up against good competition, even though. He doesn't have a whole lot of practice. Right. He still can, you know, fine tune and polish himself on the field against the Saints and the Bucks and the Chiefs and things like that. So, yeah, I, it's, it's something to keep an eye on going forward. But it is a little alarming that halfway through the year, your second round pick is a healthy scratch. Yeah. Um, and how many games has he played in? What two? I think he's played in two. He had a tackle for loss. So it's not like he hasn't made any plays. I mean, he's had like a handful of tackles and a tackle for loss, and he's only played about. 100 snaps or something, maybe a little bit more. So, I mean, it's not like he hasn't gotten something, but... That's, a, that's almost a game. Jesus. Right. Yeah. I mean, he just hasn't played a lot. So, I mean, I, in terms... Like, I, I... Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just kind of in a holding pattern with Marlon Davidson, and obviously we all hope he plays soon because we need him. <laughs> we need him to be good <laughs> going forward, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is... That's a big thing. Um, before we transition into some, some tack talk, we're going to get to tack on here because i know that's a hot button topic this evening do you want to remind you folks if you don't mind to throw a like at the video that helps other people on youtube find it uh if you don't mind subscribing uh get that uh when you subscribe uh i will give you a shout out and also you'll get notifications whenever we go live so you don't have to you know bother tracking it down on youtube or twitter or whatever so that works out really well for for both of us and also thank you to everyone that uh subscribed over the weekend uh, we did get over 2,000 subscribers, uh, so that's that's a cool milestone, so we appreciate you guys for that. And another reminder that if you do want us to read off a specific question and you want to make sure it doesn't get missed, you can donate at the link that's in the show description, and we will. I'm contractually obligated to read your question. Uh, obviously, we try to get to as many as we can, but I know a lot of you guys have takes that you want to get off, so we'll read your takes if you give us money. That That's basically what I'm saying, so... Uh, all right. Speaking of takes, Tack McKinley, Eric, I know you're you're locked and loaded on this one. Um, I also had some pretty strong takes when he was cut, uh, but I'll let you get the first crack at Tack. <laughs> Just where to start, really, right? First of all, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna address I'm gonna address Keenan real quick on this one because you're a former player. So you you know you've been in the locker room, you've been in the on the field, you've seen things like this happen. You you're you you're a guy that has strapped up and laced up. So this this take that I'm that I'm going to throw out there may rub some former players the wrong way. So I just I just want to address you first. All right, hey, say it for what it is, baby. Say it for what um, it is. This guy is a baby, okay. This guy is acting like a coddled baby, and I'm glad he's gone. Mm. Because it's one thing to just be a guy that's banged up, and you know he he just can't 
get his career going straight because he's he's banged up all the time. He's not healthy, but yet he you see it on the, when he's on the field. He's still putting out everything. He's still hustling. He's still on the practice field, making plays on the practice field. That's not the case with Tack McKinley. Okay, when it comes to Tack McKinley, when he is healthy and he is on that field, he's invisible. Okay, and this is a guy who wanted his fifth year option coming into this season. And I'll be blunt with it. He didn't deserve it at all. Not one damn dollar. Okay. You didn't earn it, dude. Just because you're a first round pick don't mean you need or deserve a fifth year option. You got 17 and a half sacks in four years. Okay. Grady Jarrett has more quarterback hits this year than you've had in the last two years combined. (laughs) And he plays defensive tackle and he's doubled every damn play all right Mm -hmm. so this guy for him to come into this locker room with that poor attitude as if the team didn't give him an opportunity as if the team didn't give him the money he deserved to me i'm glad it's gone because this team set him up for success and he 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 didn't reach it plain and simple i'm sorry so you, he can take that sour attitude, the thank you to Atlanta, the thank you to the fans. That's fake. I ain't trying to hear all that. You, your agent probably called you up and told you to put something together. Put something out, for the love yeah. of God. Yeah. 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 Don't leave on a bad note. You just called the team clowns three days ago, and now all of a sudden you want to thank them and the fan base. That's bull. Whatever, dude. I know smoke when I see it. That's smoke. Yeah. Um. So he can take his attitude. He can go to Cincinnati. Good luck with Cincinnati. Then to all the fans that feel like he's won, he ain't won a damn thing. You want to know why? Because he still got to lace up and get out there on that field. He still got to prove himself. So if he don't even play this year for Cincinnati, he ain't won a damn thing with me. To be quite honest with you, I'm sorry. So, um, and and I this is you can tell this is kind of personal, um, but it's just it's one thing for a guy to, you know just be you know to have a career that's really you know it hit a wall and is really not going places and and he struggled but this guy here he had he didn't meet expectations and he's mad at the team and the fan base because of it like that's that's the part that i'm like oh wait a minute hold on you're the one that underperformed but the team is clowns because they didn't want to trade you because they felt that highly of you they didn't want to trade you okay all right you can go. So he's out of here. Good. I'm done. Yeah, you got you got takes, Keenan. I think I see a smile there. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, I mean, you know, uh, he he said a lot of truth in there. You know, it's uh, it's one of them things where it's like, you know, your first round pick, you brought in with a lot of expectations, you know, and. Uh, the team that brought you in, they're going to give you a lot longer grace period to work with you, work, you know, help you to work through some things. You know, he's been injured, been banged up. You know, I thought it was a little, you know, that kind of threw me a little bit when he called them clowns, you know, because I was thinking like, wow, man, they've kind of, <laughs> you know, they, they've been working with you. I know they declined that fifth year option on you, but I mean, it's business. You know, if you hadn't put it out on the field, they're not going to spend no money like that. 
You, right, you, right. You you were the one that called for three sacks against Minnesota last year in week one, and you ain't getting not one. You were the one that did that. Not the team. <laughs> yeah, he, he called double-digit sacks or he, like, cut his dreads or something like that. Yeah. You yeah. did that, not the team. You the one that held up five after getting the first sack on the first play of the year, and you ain't sacked nobody since. Mm. Right. Yeah. What'd you say, 17? What'd you say, like, 17 sacks? In 17 four and years? a half in like four years. Four? The last two point years, whatever sacks a year or something like the that. The last two years combined, four and a half sacks. Yeah, yeah they, didn't bring you in, they didn't bring you in the first round for that. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I always got the players back, but you know, you gotta you gotta call it like how it is. You know, like man, they they drafted you high because they yeah. needed you to get back to that quarterback. You know, Vic yeah. got fifteen that one year. You know, that's what they brought you in for. They brought you in to harass the quarterback, and you know. Play with energy out there, you know. Get your teammates going. Right. You know, I, I feel as I feel as though he played hard. He just the production didn't match a lot of times. I think he got what nineteen or twenty quarterback hits the past two years. That, you're not even hitting the quarterback, man. That's what that's showing me. Mm. Right. Uh, he, he's pro- he's probably the player where you know an offensive lineman lines up against him and he's like, all right, like my my record's going to be intact. You know, I'm not going to be giving up any sacks in this one. It's going to be unscathed <laughs> after this game. Yeah, oh, well, most of the linemen when they're lining up against him, they already know what move. You know, he's gonna power yeah. rush you. You know, and yeah, all you gotta good. do is just stand, like Vic and the first couple one two. You know, uh, and and and, and, that, and that and that's the thing, Keenan. The, the three of us for the past two or three years, we were all saying like, man, he needs to develop some pass rushing moves because yeah. the first two and a half and three years in the league. What's the only pass rusher he moved? He did move. He did, guys. He bull rushed. Yeah. He didn't do anything else. That's all he did. He depended yeah, it, on bull rush and speed. Yeah, it was just like with uh, with Vic Beasley. It was always a speed rush every single time. And you can do that in college. You know, you can get away with that in college. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to the NFL, where you know the linemen are as good as they are, you're mm-hmm. not gonna you're not gonna beat a starting tackle in the NFL by just doing one move over and over and over again. You're not gonna and run I mean, around Trent Williams. Yeah. yeah, can't yeah, be and, a one-trick pony is what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to Vic's credit, he did try to develop a spin move. Like it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> but he, he he was, you know, the effort was somewhat there to to develop, you know, a secondary uh, pass rush move. But you need, <laughs> like, like you know, you, you can you can attest to it. Like if a player comes up and you know is pass rushing and they only have one move over and over again you know it's it's probably going to be an easy day at the office this is advertiser content brought to you by frito-lay hello i'm chip murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament tonight we'll break down we break down who will be cutting cut what are you two doing sorry chip Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Well, depending on, depending on how yeah. badass that move is, <laughs> right. you know, I don't want to sit up and say it's going to be easy, but <laughs> it, makes it, a lot, it makes it a lot more easy going because you're like, man, okay, I know this is what's coming. Let me get ready for this. Right. You know, uh, I was, I was, I always, oh man, I was disappointed that they were here in Atlanta and that they never sought out Chuck Smith over there. Yeah. yeah. Chuck Smith performers, you know, mm-hmm. because Chuck has a bunch of clientele in the NFL. It's like, man, he's 30, 20 minutes away from you, man. And you watch some of his other clients in the league, the Von Millers, the Aaron Donalds, you know, those guys out there swiping hands and right. cross-chopping the mess out of people, you know. <laughs> They're setting up primaries with counter, you know, setting up primary moves, and then they got counter moves off of that. It's, yeah, and I know Chuck, it was a couple times, you know, Chuck had went on a different little couple of little YouTube series, and he was pleading with those guys, man, y'all come see me. Let me help y'all. Open I was a little disappointed that they didn't go seek out Dr. Rush, the sack master, you know, because Devil. everybody else in the league is hitting them up and getting numbers and getting paid. And, you know, that was a little, I was always wondering about that. Several yeah. open invitations. And, and that's the difference, you know, between successful players, because you saw Lindstrom and McGarry, they sought you out. Right. And you know to pick your brain a little bit, and we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing some of those results where you know I'm pretty sure you're proud of the of the teachings you've given them and how they're incorporating it throughout the throughout the games. And we've seen you know enhanced improvements in both of them, like substantial improvements. Chris Lindstrom is grading that out as a, a top ten guard in the NFL right now by PFF. I think he's eight. I think he's eighth among all guards in the NFL, which is a big deal for a second-year player. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Vic Beasley couldn't even be bothered to show up to OTA the last year. You know, he <laughs> had a basketball tournament or whatever, right. whatever right. it was. So it's like to really be successful in the NFL, you have to kind of go above and beyond. You can't just do what's what's asked of you because ever, everyone is doing what's asked of them. Everyone is going to training camp. Everyone yeah. is going to practice. But those truly great players are the players who continue honing their craft in the offseason, who continue honing their craft even when they're not asked to in that specific moment. Right. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure you probably know the story, Keenan, about what happened last offseason with Vic, right, when he, you know, missed Yeah, him. like, yeah, he was supposed to uh, – Dan Quinn wanted him to come back to OTA so he could work with him on his moves, and he never showed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but Von Miller has his annual pass rushing summit. Which Chuck which, Smith helps host. Which, yep. Yeah, which yep. – and, and guys like Aaron Donald and a lot of the premier pass rushers in the league were there. Yeah. But Vic wasn't. You know, and this and we all felt like going into last season, like, man, this is a season you need to make a step. And in order for you to make that step, man, you probably need to go learn some things from a guy like Von Miller or Aaron Donald, you know, some of the best pass rushers in the league. And and he didn't do it. You know, he was busy playing in in a uh, charity basketball tournament. So those are the little things that we see. And and we started to see it a little bit with tack, too. Like, man, like, yeah, he was training offseason to get in shape, but. Outside of that, you know, what else has he really done? You know, yeah. it, it took him three years to develop a move outside of a bull rush. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of times, guys, you know, you have to, you know, you're dealing with a lot of egos, you know what I'm saying, in that locker room, you know, and some guys have bigger egos than others, you know, like especially if a guy was a four or five star prospect coming out of high school and then they go D1 and then get drafted, man, they feel like they the shit, you know, they feel like they might not. They don't need to go seat nobody else, you know. Right. But um, what, what did Julio I, did last offseason? He went to T.O. He went to train with T.O. Exactly. And so I was just getting ready to say, yeah, I was just getting ready to bring that up. And then, you know, myself, I sought Steve Wallace out my third year, you know, because I was like, man, I need to holler at somebody that has been successful in the league and they can show me or teach me or tell me something, whether it's technique wise or whether it's, you know, with my routine. You know, it was a couple weeks ago, you know, I got a, you know, I texted Chris and Caleb, you know, good win. And, you know, Chris was telling me, hey, man, appreciate you telling me about that. He, I gave him some as far as his daily routine he could do yeah, on a yeah. Friday as far as certain cardio or whatever just to get ready for the game. He was like, hey, man, the thing is really working. I was like, good, man, good. good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. And it's, it's not like these players don't have the resources at their disposal. I'm pretty sure all of these retired, you know, NFL players, uh, Keenan Forney, yourself included, I'm sure they, they would love to pass on some of that knowledge and, you know, pass yeah. on what they've learned to the next generation because that's just – that's just the way it works. That's just the way time works. You know, you, you want you want those teachings to live on. Very much so. Very much so. Like, I remember playing, before I even reached out to Steve Wallace, I reached out to Jeff Van Note because he was doing color commentary for, for the Falcons games. I reached out to Jeff in one offseason. I reached out to Dermonte Dawson. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've reached out to a bunch of pros while I was playing, you know, guys that were retired because I was just like, man, I know that they got something in their head that they can share with me, you know, technique routine whatever it is film study that can help me take my game to the next level you know and i would encourage all young players to do that you know because those guys they were successful for a reason and a lot of times what i found out whenever you reach out to one of the older players a lot of them older players then reached out to somebody that was older than them mm-hmm. you know like this past offseason i called up mike ken on the phone falcons great who should be in the hall of fame by the way i yep. reached out to mike ken you know and you know, well, actually, I, I, I ran into him last year at the mini camp, and then I've just been keeping in contact with him because he's a cool guy. Yeah. And I'll tell y'all this: when I was when I talked with Mike Ken for about ten minutes, I learned more about just certain little tricks that you can do out there. And I was just like, "Damn, Mike! I wish I would have reached out to you when I was playing, man." Yeah. Yeah. I wish I would have reached out to you while I was playing, and so that's why I kind of kept a relationship with Mike. And even this past uh, offseason, he came up to the facility that I was training at, and he was just talking me through some things. You know, just I was just picking his brain. He was just telling me, hey, this is what I used to do when I played against Richard Dent or LT. You know what I mean? Now, they shutting down those greats. So, man, you got to, hey, you better listen to his ass is all I got to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a definite ethos when he's up there and he's like, oh, this is what I use to shut down LT. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, hold him to zero sacks in this game. Yep. Yes. Yes. You listen. When LT is kicking everybody else's ass, you got to find out the guy that kicked his ass. Right. That's, that's the one I want to learn from. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean it, it. Like I, I, I don't know what it is. Like I, it really is like it's the difference between being good and great, right, at your position and and in the NFL. Like there's a lot of really talented athletes, 
and only a small number of those really talented athletes make the NFL, and only a small number of those guys really become greats at their position. And I, I do think it's a mental thing for the most part. Like, I don't think the greatest NFL players are necessarily, like, the most physically talented. I think it's – obviously, they have a certain amount of physical talent. You know, there's a certain amount that's kind of like a baseline that's necessary. But I really think it's it's the guys that really go that extra mile, that, that strive to keep getting better. Like, the Julio Joneses. Like, this man still goes out and trains. Like, with he, Julio doesn't need to go out and prove anything to anyone. Like, he's already – a Hall of Fame talent, but he still tries to go out and get better every single offseason. And to me, that that's the big difference between guys like Julio Jones and guys like, you know, Tack and Vic Beasley. I mean, obviously, Tack and Vic are still young. You know, they have time to grow, but there's not a lot of wiggle room for players, even for, even former first-rounders. Like, there's, there's a limit to how much teams will put up with. And the Falcons reach their limit, and he's out the door. So... I mean, it, well, he's gonna get a he's, he's gonna keep he's gonna get him a shot or two, just because he was a first round talent. Everybody's gonna be like, oh, well, maybe we can work with him and do him. But you didn't left your first team, so now you know your grace period is gonna go down a little yep. bit more. So I, I I hope that he reaches out to some guys and you know maybe sets his ego to the side and be like, you know what, let me see what I can learn from this guy. You know, let me see what I can take from his arsenal and add it to mine. Mm-hmm. All right. Before it's too late. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 oh, I still, I was, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I just wanted to just bring up one more point about Julio. Like, you know, Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm sure there's a consensus of that here. If there's anyone who is allowed to, you know, skip OTAs and, like, go play basketball during OTAs, it's, it's Julio Jones. Like, we wouldn't bat an eye, right? It's right. like, all right, Julio, enjoy your game. Right. But, you know, he... <laughs> He's out there still, like seeking out, like you guys mentioned, he's seeking out help from To, who's, you know, one of, you know, one of the five best receivers of all time. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, Dude, I'm, yeah, That's definitely. Cool. Should have been a should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but that's that's another conversation entirely. Yeah. But yeah, you look at Matt Ryan, like he flew out the entire offense to Florida last year to to work on it with them. Mm-hmm. He he and Austin Hooper were getting together last off season and just like, uh, and practicing, um, in the off season, in the summer days when everyone else is relaxing, like that's just one more case about, you know, the difference. And, you know, it's why Matt Ryan is, and Julio Jones are going to be hall of famers in the NFL one day. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it, it, so, you know, just going back to tech, like, I mean, it was, it's one thing for his career to not be where it should have been, but it's another thing for him to have this attitude and this, I, I would, I would see his side. If this guy was a perennial 12, 13 sacks per season guy, and it's a contract year and he ain't getting paid. I can, I can see his attitude. I can see, you know, why, you know, I can see his frustration, but in this particular situation, what, he has compared to what the team has offered him there's no need there's no reason for him to go publicly and trash the team no, no. that's the why team, he got cut i mean yeah the team looked out for him for four years they looked out for him they did it they refused to sign certain free agents they refused to draft edge rushers high because they felt so highly of vic beasley and tack mckinley that they wanted them to be the lead horses they did everything they needed to to put these guys at the front line. And these guys, you know, they just 
they just melted away their career in Atlanta. Yeah. So I mean, what do you what do you want the team to do? Right. And part of it unfortunately was, you know, injuries for Tack, right? I mean, this year in particular, like yeah. he was he was on a really hot start. You know, he didn't have yeah. a ton of sacks, but like he was looking dominant he, to start the season. He looked like a different player. Yeah. He looked yeah. like okay, he he's probably going to have a pretty good year this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but at the same time the best abilities availability. Right. Like if yeah. a player if a player isn't on the field, if okay. a player can never get on the field then, you know, what good is he to the to the team? And at the very least if you're constantly injury prone like that, don't go public about your criticism of the team <laughs> and what they are or aren't doing for you. Like, right. Right. The Falcons lost out on way more with the Tack McKinley experiment yeah, than right. what Tack McKinley lost out on these past few years. Like, the team was hurt because of that first-round draft pick. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I'm interested up. to know, like, what was the what was the real behind-the-scene problem? I'm wondering, mm. did he have a, a problem or issue with the D coordinator or with his position coach, you know what I mean? Right. Because I, I think it still lingers from not getting that option. Yeah, really. I, I, think, I think I think he believes he was entitled to the option. Yeah, I think that was just I think that was just a slap in the face to him, even though he didn't deserve it. And I think he carried that with him in his in his back pocket for the whole year. I mean, you saw what he did when he got that first sack. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering because originally after the tweet, he only got fined, and you know I don't think there were any like plans to cut him originally because you would have just cut him, you wouldn't have fined him. Right. But then a few days later. You know, he gets cut, and, you know, I'm wondering if there was anything, you know, more going on behind the scenes after that fine, if he didn't react positively to it or something like that. And at the end of the day, like, he's hurt by, like, you know, people are saying, oh, he got what he wants. Like, oh, great, he got what he wants. He gets to play in Cincinnati for the rest of the year. But you it's you think that teams won't call up Arthur Blank, Raheem Morris in the offseason and ask about Tack McKinley. Like right. these coaches, they have they have their connections. They talk with each other. Right. It, it's just like a, a reference with a job interview. Right. You think they won't call up the Falcons organization and ask about Tack McKinley? Like right. this could cost him some money in the long run in the offseason. It, yeah. it will. It will. It will. Especially if he goes to Cincinnati for this half season and he doesn't do anything. Now you're talking about a guy that's going to enter free agency next year and it's probably not going to get signed until probably training camp, maybe after training camp because of the fact that he he was a first, he was considered a first round bust in Atlanta. He got picked up by a second team and he didn't do a damn thing with the second team and now he's a free agent. So he's probably he's facing a huge um you know uh, he his future is really on the line these eight games because yeah. he can go into the next offseason and you won't see anything from him until probably when the preseason starts and then there's an injury and they're like, okay, they bring in Tack McKinley for a visit. That's pretty much how it's going to work out with him. I mean, it, it, it's just – and my thing is there are people and – and I'm not going to say their name, but I'm pretty sure you, you guys know who I'm talking about. There are people who are adamant about the team not trading him and not getting anything back in return. Mm-hmm. And they honestly, they honestly believe everything that he said at this point. And I'm looking at it like, wait a minute, how how can you guys believe that? Because, and I'm I'm putting I'm putting on my helmet from a from a different team. If I'm seeing all this transpiring, why would I want to give the Falcons a six round pick when it's quite obvious you guys are not going to keep them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are either going to let them go at the end of the year or you're going to let them go during the season. Why would I give you a draft pick? So maybe it isn't that the Falcons 
turned down draft picks for him. Maybe it was other teams that said, dude, I'm not giving you a fourth or fifth or a sixth. You're going to cut them or you're going to let them walk this offseason. I can keep that six. Yeah, I just that's just how I'm looking at it. But people are so quick to just dump on the front office in this situation. When I honestly believe the front office said they wanted a fourth, didn't get those offers, and they said, "Well, forget it. I don't. I don't want anything." I mean, if they were asking for a fourth, they're complete fools because no one was right. ever going to give that. But I, for, for him to come out and say that they turned down draft picks yeah. left and right, like they turned down several trade offers, yeah. that I don't believe because again, I don't see teams elbowing their way to the to the phone to get to the Falcons and say, "Hey, we want Tack McKinley for this." When it's quite obvious, the writing is on the wall. You guys are probably going to let him walk in the offseason. I can just sign him as a, as a free agent for a one-year deal this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that they got offers for him that were late day three op- offers. Like, a six, right. a six was probably the top pick that they got, if that. Um, I'm sure they got sevens. I'm sure they got conditional sevens. Who offers. cares about a damn seven? Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, a six I care a little bit about, but even then, it's not that much. But it's just... It, it, it just sucks to get nothing for him. And, like, I'm glad he was claimed because since he's claimed, the, the other team picks up his salary now. So the Falcons actually do save a little bit of money. So that's nice. I, I, but I, To me, I get your point that they didn't get anything from him. But I'm still looking at the bigger elephant in the room, which is the fact that a first-round pick from 2017 is now cut because he didn't prove himself in three and a half Well, years. obviously, that's the, that. <laughs> obviously <laughs> that's the big issue. Obviously, that's the big issue. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing we could do yeah, about that, that, though. Like. Take out Casey and that 2017 draft class is really, really bad. Tack, Duke Riley, Sean Harlow, who apparently still somehow... The immortal Sean Harlow. (laughs) Keenan, you got to get in there and do something about Sean Harlow, man. Like, this man, he needs your help, I'm sure. So... Yeah, I think I think Keenan can help him out. Uh, that that's Sean Harlow. If you're watching this, brother, get it, get get in touch with Keenan. He can save he can save you, uh, because clearly the team likes him because he's still hanging around after all these years. So he must just be a great dude, honestly. Like uh, and Wetzel, Wetzel yeah, as well. Wetzel, yeah. The, yeah Sean Harlow has played one snap in the in his NFL career as a fourth rounder. Yeah, that's obviously not great, but uh, whew, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, do you guys? Want to say anything else? I mean, we've talked about tech a lot. Do you guys want to say anything else about tech before we, we move on to some other talk? Good Goodridge. <laughs> yeah. My last thing I'll say is that I hate that it ended this way for him because mm-hmm. that first game of the season, he got that first sack. I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, we, he, might, he might be turned over a, a new leaf. And just to see how it's gone from there, you know, he had that first game and then he got hurt. And then, you know, this past week and, you know – I just look at the writing on the wall, not the writing on the wall, but I'm just guessing. But there was a conversation that was had after he tweeted, and you know there was an argument, and somebody after that argument was had, you know they was like, "Hey, yo, let's just get rid of him." Morris probably told him about himself. Hey, I'm telling you, it was it was a heated discussion between him and somebody else, and it it didn't go right, and that's why they went ahead and you know did what they did the other day. Morris probably told him about himself. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure because you know, Morris came out and said we're going to deal with it we're going to handle it he the one that man, came out man. And said that. Yep. yeah he did mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure Morris pulled him to the side and said hey dude what are you doing right you, you, you're not good to be coming out here throwing the franchise up under the bus he probably told him about himself and he, his his feelings probably got a little hurt yeah and he probably I mean, said something 
He probably said something back to Morris that Morris didn't like and Morris was like, all right, you got to hear. Yeah, I respect that about Morris. Like, you know, I'm not to throw darts at Dan Quinn, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think he would have been that, uh, you know, much of an authority figure with that because, you know, Dan Quinn is a, a fantastic guy, but nobody, I think, would ever, like, consider him a, a high authority, like, figure. And sometimes you need that, especially in your head coach. It's, it's funny you mention that because DW did a quick podcast this week directly after Tack was, was released. And I asked the question on the podcast, would this have happened if Dan Quinn was still head coach? And I don't think it would have. I think if <laughs> Quinn was still head coach, Tack would still be a Falcon right now. Possibly. Because mm-hmm. if they cut him, they look bad, you know? Right? Yeah. Well, especially if Dimitrov was still here, right? <laughs> right. Dimitrov could no, never I, I, come I, to I, that. I, yeah. I think that right there shows you the difference between Quinn and Morris. Morris is not going to stick around with this, okay? Morris has been – he was he he was in charge of a Tampa team that had a locker room full of hotheads, attitude guy. Remember, he, he was – didn't he coach Akeem Tlaib? You know, he yeah. was he was he had those type of guys in his locker room. So he's dealt with stuff like this before. Quinn hasn't. So Yeah. I you see it and and if like I said, if Quinn was still around, Tack would still be a Falcon and his attitude would still be in that locker room. And right now, with the way this season is going, they don't need they don't need that in that locker room right now. Yeah, we could yeah. be making a playoff push if they add teams. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's a great yeah, we don't segue. Have two yeah. games out of the wild card right now if they add that eighth team. Oh man, yeah, we're we're closing in. I'm like if there's so many it's gonna be such a far season, like if the Falcons get into the playoffs at like seven and nine or something because of this I eighth don't playoff. I wanna spot. see them in the playoffs. I'm sorry, guys. What if they catch fire, Eric? Okay. Yes, no. Hey, hey <laughs> going to the end of the year with some momentum. Yeah, no, you know, win the last few games, and then it. Arthur Blank's <laughs> going to bring back Quinn and Dimitrov for next year, too. I don't want to see this team in the playoffs, <laughs> man. They've already been beaten up enough by the media. Haven't we suffered enough? Yeah. I don't want I don't want to <laughs> see them in the playoffs, and they go on the road and play Kyler Murray, and he puts up 500 yards and four touchdowns, and they lose yeah. by 40. They get him. Hey, if it makes you, if it there. makes you feel better, we'll probably play Russell Wilson <laughs> again. Yeah, probably. Oh God, yeah. man! <laughs> <laughs> I care for the team, man, but this is not a playoff team. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it would well, not we be catch great. fire and go all the way this year. Yeah, I, I doubt it. But like, I, I mean, and this is kind of like our our segue into the second part of the show, well, the third part of the show, I guess technically here, where we talk about you know, can the Falcons finish strong? Um, and finish strong doesn't necessarily mean make the playoffs, but it could mean you know continuing this current trend, right? So like they they. They keep, you know, winning some games and losing some games, but generally looking like a much better team than the first half. Um, and, like, the schedule is harder, so it's going to be more difficult. You know, they have to play a lot of teams. The schedule in the NFL yeah. in the second half. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. Um, you know, I guess the silver lining might be that, like, if the Chiefs and Bucks are doing great, you know, maybe those final two games they're resting their starters or something. Yeah, uh, I better hope so. Like, because that, that's the best chance probably. Uh, uh, I, I don't think so with the Chiefs. That's probably week 16, not, and they're fighting Pittsburgh for that one seed right now. Yeah, Pittsburgh so, is very undefeated. I wouldn't count on it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and the Bucks will be fighting for that division up until the very end. So, uh, Well, maybe. They, yeah. Well, yeah, they probably Well, they're, I mean, they're – at least winning the division, they're in a hole right now. They're definitely in a yeah. Hole. Saints right. have the tie break right now. So that that may be 
and they they may I don't I given the fact that you know Brady is at his age they may just sit that week 17 out they probably have a playoff spot clinch they probably know at this point they may not win in division unless they just unless the Saints trip up but the Chiefs now, great, great point there with the Chiefs the Chiefs may still be battling in week 16 yeah so. yeah but we're gonna sweep the Saints so it's gonna be like neck and neck <laughs> up until the very end look if we sweep the Saints anything's possible okay like if we get two wins against the Saints then I'm I'm fully engaged with the hype train at that point why but are you guys doing this just just because hey. look the people said we were too negative on Sunday all right we gotta inject some optimism into this into this show but we're gonna what? be fast I'll, and physical you know what I'll be the negative one okay okay hey, hey, nobody they ain't making the playoffs, man. It's a done deal, okay? Stop it. They're not going to get the eighth seed. It's not going to happen, all right? Uh, uh, but- until they add a ninth team. <laughs> Why don't we just have all all 32 teams go to the playoffs? Then everyone can say they made the playoffs this year. Hey, by the end of the season, we may we may be trending that way. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, I, I, look, this like for this team to go 9-7, and seven, like they're not going to win out. They're not winning – seven straight games like so don't don't pretend they will don't pretend okay like don't now six out of seven maybe there's like a five percent chance of that happening so like we could talk about that that's nine and seven you probably could get the seven seed with nine and seven probably but maybe not i mean i don't know there's there's some good like there's a lot of teams with winning records in the nfc so that might not even be good enough to get into the playoffs so we'll, we'll see um, eight and eight, you know, probably a little bit more likely than either of the winning records. Um, but that still means they got to win, you know, five of the next seven games. Um, this, I swear, or if six, they get in the playoffs, yeah. man, this has twenty-four to two written all over, man. I swear, <laughs> they're gonna get embarrassed, man. Not, we'll the, don't bring that up. The playoffs, we'll yeah, we'll be, be so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, that would be interesting. I mean, it would totally tank all the draft takes for me. So I know there would be some disappointed people in the chat about the draft takes being put off. But, yeah, I mean, like, we're 3-6. and six, So, like, it's an uphill battle to stay relevant at this point. Like, we're not 100% out of it. We're also not in it. So, yeah, I mean, if, if we could just kick out the NFC East and take take their playoff spot i mean yeah if we were in the nfc east we'd be like in the thick of things right now but we're not in the nfc least we're in the nfc south where we have to deal with the bucks and the saints who are you know if we don't sweep those teams or if we don't you know like we're gonna be in a situation where we're not getting a tie like if we can get a tiebreaker over one or both of those teams you know maybe if the bucks fall off you know maybe we could sneak in or something like that but like we've already lost tiebreakers to a lot of the teams that we're probably gonna need to have tiebreakers over to get in aka the bears aka the packers the seahawks like all these major nfc players we've already lost to and lost the tiebreaker to so like those aren't good that this is not shaping up well to be a miraculous playoff run um so don't really expect that but like let's let's more focus on like can they play better like can they maybe get you know three more wins out of the next seven can they get four wins out of the next seven can they go you know six and ten or or, or seven or seven and nine like can they claw their way back to some sort of less embarrassing record or do we expect this this difficult schedule to kind of be too much for them i'm taking it one one game at a time yeah that's the smart way to do it right i mean <laughs> hey, that, that's the former player talking one game right now. one quarter at a time man 
Yeah, I mean that. I, I, yeah, that's what the like team's going to be Smith doing. Used to say, "Let's go one and zero this week." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to prognosticate because you know I'm contractually obligated. But yeah, I mean, I I do think they'll probably end up at like six and ten. Um, I think that's a pretty safe guess at this point. Last time I predicted they'd be less than seven and nine, they still managed to get back to seven and nine. So this team so seems like so that, so destined to be that's seven. six and ten from you will be wins over who? I guess I'd have to look at the schedule. I mean, I think they'll get so maybe they, they one game off. They got, two, they got two against the Saints. They got two against the Bucks. They got the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders. Well, they'll they'll probably beat the Chargers because I'm pretty sure that's the only team like more cursed than the Falcons. Um, but I don't know. The t- those two teams might meet, and then like the combination of the curses combines and forms some sort what of singularity. Come back, right? The Falcons come back and <laughs> right and win. Yeah, as long as the as long as the Falcons are competitive at the end, that means the Chargers are probably going to blow it. That's kind of their thing. But maybe the two teams' propensities to blow it, like, will kind of combine into a singularity, and then the, the, the yeah, team will sure just disappear. I'm pretty sure they're probably maybe they'll tie. Yeah, but probably. Chargers probably. I mean, Las Vegas is like frisky. Honestly, Las Vegas reminds me a lot of the Falcons. Like, they're kind of like frisky. They and they've won some of the games that the Falcons probably have lost, but like they're probably kind of similar teams in a lot of respects. But the Falcons still have to have that one game annually, like they do every year against an AFC opponent at home, where it's like, okay, what the hell are they doing? They they do it every year. <laughs> they've done it against. The, do, do they? Because Dan Quinn isn't here anymore. <laughs> Maybe that broke the the AFC curse. You know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm still convinced that he never game plan for AFC teams. Right. Yeah, I mean Just we did we got that Broncos win, right? That that's our that's an AFC win. So let's be honest. We <laughs> got that Broncos win because they they couldn't get him they they couldn't get in the right formation. That's why they lost that's why they got the Broncos win. Those corners got torched, man. Hey, they were they were not up to snuff. <laughs> that, defense didn't, that defense didn't get a stop. They just couldn't get in formation, man. No. That's that let's just be honest. Except man. against the run, but that's not really saying a lot against the Falcons running game. But I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I say six and ten is probably their ceiling. And I would say that six and ten will come I think they'll still win against the Saints. I think it's a possibility they'll still want to get the Bucks because I believe the Bucks are probably going to bench their starters in Week 17, mm-hmm. and I think they'll, I think they'll beat the Chargers. Yeah, but that's that's all I'm giving. Okay, that's I, I think they'll split those division games just because it's so hard to beat the same team twice in three weeks. I, I don't care what team it is; it's really hard to beat an NFL team and then to beat them again two weeks later. We saw it in 2015 when the Panthers were what, 15-0 and 0, and they lost to the Falcons or 14-0 yeah, yeah. going into that game. Panthers this year. Yeah, the Panthers this year, but like <laughs> the example from 2015 is just sticks out in my head more because they destroyed us 37-0 up in Carolina and it's like, alright, it's a foregone conclusion these two teams are on in different worlds and then the Falcons come back a couple weeks later, they adjust and they steal one at home because of that great Julio Jones play over Luke Keekley. Right. So I, I don't think that I don't. I think we're splitting both the Saints and the and the Bucks just because they play both of those teams twice in three weeks. But I guess, and I guess in five. Yeah. Yep. And also, also against the Saints, they um, they they are coming off a bye. The Saints do have a game this week. 
Right. So, you know, the, the schedule is, you know, sh- shaking out favorably. That's the first thing I looked at when uh, when the schedule came out, those games before the Saints. And I think the Saints have, uh, before the game in Atlanta, I think they have a West Coast trip the yeah. week before as well. So it's not just a foregone conclusion that the Saints are sweeping the series. And the series is always, like, ends up coming down to the last possession. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I think they'll beat the... I think they beat the Chargers too. The Chargers just can't stay out of their own way. When do they and play the when do they play the Chiefs? The Chargers? Uh, the the Saints? Yeah. I don't know. Um Probably, I is mean, that West Coast is that West Coast trip that you were talking about in Denver? I'm assuming that's uh it. the West Coast trip is in Denver, yeah. Okay. Hmm. They go to Denver after playing us uh in New Orleans. So it's New Orleans, they go up to Denver and then they come to Atlanta. Back they play the Chiefs. They play the Chiefs the week before we do in week fifteen. Okay. They're playing, they're playing Denver in that altitude. Yeah, we could see. Mm. I mean, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Teams, road games in Denver. You know, it, it takes a little bit it's more tough. out of you than a yeah. normal road yep. game. Yeah. I, I hear. I hear what you're saying, yeah. Eric. I hear what you're saying, and I too am guaranteeing that we sweep the Saints now, two and zero against New Orleans. All right, I'm talking myself into it. Let's go. Let's so you're you're upping to seven and nine now, then. Um, <laughs> if, if I, or do you, I or do you say gotta, we we get the Saints be, sweep? If, and if then... I gotta be the Skip Bayless of this show, then fine, so be it. I'll be the Skip Bayless. Of this show. <laughs> <laughs> they, they ain't doing that, man. I'm sorry. It would be nice. Um, it would be so nice. Because I, I mean, I would talk so much shit all year. Like, oh, y'all won the division. We swept you. Yeah, no, we're the real, di- we're the division winners by proxy. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I still pull out the card from last year. Us beating the Saints in New Orleans. That's the reason they didn't have home field. Yep. So, they went thirteen and three, and they. So, uh, so this question was bounced off to me on Twitter today, and I want I want you guys to give me your perspective on this. Hmm. Hypothetically. Raheem Morris goes seven and zero. Hypothetically, I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they won't. But just hypothetically, for the sake of the question, mm-hmm. should he be given the head coaching job, or does that solidify his seat at the table when it comes to being interviewed at the end of the year for the head coaching job? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's going to get interviewed either either way. I think. Like, I think they've already made it clear they're going to yeah. interview him. Um, right. But I mean, seven and zero makes him like a legit candidate. I think. Um, seven and zero. There, there are some that believe that seven and zero, he should just be handed the job. Like the key. against this schedule, though, seven and zero against this schedule. That's fucking impressive. All right, I'm He'll just be like, ten and six. I mean, honestly, it's like <laughs> you, be real. That's impressive. Especially well, like, look, yeah, how, yeah. how many coaches in the league can you insert into this team and they'll go seven zero against this schedule with this with this that's, roster? That's seven and zero with me. Is they beat Brady twice, Breeze twice. And Mahomes, yeah, and yeah. Justin Herbert. Okay, come on. <laughs> yeah, Justin Herbert. I, mean, I don't think it's gonna happen, but still, just hypothetical. Right, that would be pretty damn good, man. Like I would, if I'm Raheem Morris, I will walk into that interview. You know, I'll have some shades on, flip flop. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I will bear my hand. Like, look at man, I went seven and zero against these guys. Yeah, because if the Falcons don't hire him, some someone's. Right. Oh yeah, he's getting yeah. hired somewhere if he pulls that off. So, so. so do you? But do you guys think he should be given the job? Because again, that's an impressive seven and zero. That's not a normal seven and zero that we're talking about. Yeah, do I you mean, think he, he would have earned it at that point. Yeah. Yes. 
Probably. At that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that means he'll have gone 10-1 and since taking over the team. And that, with that one loss being the Lions game, where like just a whole bunch of stuff. Happened. Well, if he goes seven and zero, like if he goes seven and zero, they'll be ten and six. So it also depends on what happens in the playoffs. Like if he wins a playoff game too, like okay. he's probably the head coach. Yeah. Like I, I mean, even, I didn't even bring that aspect in. Yeah, I was just focusing on the regular season. So you feel that it's going to go beyond the regular season at that point? You, you oh yeah, feel they'll be ten and six. Yeah, with seven. What about the, yeah? I mean, what, what about you, Keenan? You think he should? You think he should be given the keys to the car at that point? Man, if he's seven and zero, gets into the playoffs, yeah. Especially after what happened to us the first month of the season. I mean, come on now. Everybody was canceling Christmas after some of the games we played and gave up. Man, I mean, deservedly so. Man, like, okay, yeah. All right. I mean, the reason why I ask is because we saw it last year. Quinn went six and two down the stretch, but a lot of folks still felt like he deserved to be fired, even with that hot ending to the season. So, does this does an ending like that preserve the position? But, but the difference is what, the the difference is Quinn was one and seven by his own doing the first half of the season. Raheem Morris, like the team, wasn't zero and five with Raheem Morris as head coach. Raheem Morris played a part in it he was a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator of course right. but Raheem Morris will have been 10 and 1 you know as the interim head coach pretty Dan Quinn was 7 and 9 as the head coach last year yeah as, uh, I, I will say like I'm speaking hypothetically but if, if that is the case man that's I don't that's think you impressive can, man like, I don't think you can kick him out yeah. yeah and and also I don't think that anyone would want to face the Falcons in the playoffs coming off of a seven and zero run against those teams. Yeah, I mean, this team would be a yeah. legit contender yeah, at that point. Yeah. It probably means Dirk Cutter actually stopped sucking, so uh, that would be nice, I guess, too. But like, if Raheem Morris, like, say he does go like seven and zero and they win a playoff game or whatever, like, he still needs to fire Cutter next year. Okay, like Cutter doesn't get a pass. So, <laughs> so is is there is there anything that can happen to the season that will that will force you guys to believe he's not the one? He's not the guy. I mean, like, if they don't, if they don't go, if they don't pull off some sort of miracle and make the playoffs, like, he's got a really hard time being the head coach. Like, it, it's it's unlikely he'll be able to because they're gonna. I mean, if the Falcons say they get close, like if they go eight and eight or something, and this roster ends up looking good, much better, like they're gonna be the best job. Like they'll have a, a team that actually wasn't bad looking for a new head coach. So like. They'll be choosing between, like, the top head coaching candidates and Raheem Morris. And, like, I, I think the team will want to keep Morris around as, like, a, the defensive Easy. coordinator. Like, yeah, I mean, I think they'll try to convince him to stay. I mean, it's possible he gets an offer elsewhere to be the head coach. But, like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I the big thing is, like, the Falcons are going to be arguably the best job. So they're going to have the best candidates. So like, I mean, if, if Eric Bienemy wants to come here, I don't think they're turning down Bienemy unless, unless Morris pulls off some sort of miracle here. Uh, just, so that, I mean, that, that's kind of how it is. Like, he's just going to have to go up against the top candidates. Um, so. Fair enough. Okay. I, I just wanted to ask because that, that was, that was interesting. That some feel that, you know, that will automatically say, all right, it's your team. You, you take it like without even interviewing, anyone else um under that particular circumstance him going seven and oh and, and you know even the the odds of that happening is is very minimal of course but 
that to me in this current state of the NFL, that would be a damn good seven and zero. Again, the teams that you've beaten, the quarterbacks that you've beaten, mm-hmm. um, in a situation like that, like that's that's impressive, man. That's, yeah. that's some nice credentials. It would be extremely impressive. Yeah, I think you have a hard time letting him go if he. I mean, if he pulls that off and they get in the playoffs, like after zero and five, they'll be like the only, one of the only teams in history ever to do that. So I think what the second team in history to do that yeah. or third. Who was the f- wait? Somebody a the team Chiefs. made the playoffs as a start over five. Yeah, the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Chiefs a with uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I they think. did. They did win out and make the playoffs at, at a certain. Yeah, point. they finished eleven and five that year. Yeah, so I mean it. It's but it, I mean other than that, I think it happened like one time, and it was like in the seventies. It was like in the eighties, I think. It was the Chargers. They had the Alex Smith. Um, was Smith Chiefs. Yeah, it was the Alex Smith Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, but the the ones that were like top five in defense are like really like ridiculously good on defense too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like you get you give him credit for that sort of miracle, but again, it's a miracle and it's not likely to happen. Like, there's a reason it's only yeah. happened. But but to his credit, at this point, three and one right now. That, I mean, we're 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 all pretty happy with that, right? Yeah, now. yeah. I think if, he's done as as better than people probably expected. And we and we all know it should be four and zero. Honestly, he yeah. should be undefeated right now. If Todd Gurley um, just he, fell down, yeah. He's, but yeah. he's done a he's done a good job with this team so far. Like yes, yes. The focus is different. They're aggressive. Um, they they there's a lot more confidence. There's a lot more, you know, belief in themselves at this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, and, the, and it would have been easy for them to quit, but they didn't. He said something, did something that got them boys back jump started. There's, yeah, yeah. there's something and, to that. You know what I mean? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Julio and Matt did too. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure those guys said something too. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to make a correction. The Chiefs, they were 1-5 oh, okay. in 2015. They were 1-5 and five and they won the last 10 games. I see. Okay. Well, this team was technically 1-5, yep. and five, so it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, they beat the... Um, they beat the Texans 30-0 against Brian Hoyer in the playoffs, oh, and then man. they lost to the Patriots. Uh, okay. That's right. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, that was a weird year. It's a weird, weird year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, 2015. Hey, the Falcons started 5-0 in 2015. That, that was a completely flip from this year. <laughs> yeah. Straight. Yeah, it was something. No, like no, that. no. They, they lost six straight. Then they beat the Panthers, and then they lost uh, another one. Then they beat the Jags. Yeah. They finished 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> it was a weird year. That was a super weird year. Uh, yeah, that, that, was such, that was such a ridiculously fake 5-0. Like, yeah, they, they were They weren't that good in those five games. Like, they, they were like... They were not. They were, like, good, but they weren't, like, 5-0 good, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, they barely pulled it out against the Giants, oh, yeah. against, against the Eagles. They That's beat good. Brandon Whedon. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, they, they won in overtime against the Redskins. <laughs> oh, man. And, they, and that Dallas game, too, they went and they had to make a – weren't they down like 21 nothing early? Oh, in yeah, the, they were down like 28 to like 6 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, back in the second half in that Dallas game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, was, that was when Devontae Freeman was just like winning fantasy leagues by himself. Oh, yeah. Yep. That was the breakout season. That was, there, were, there were some good parts to that year. I mean, the ending sucked, but, you know, that's how it is with a lot of these yeah, Falcons years. Hey, the Falcons would have uh, been in the playoffs if there were seven teams. That That's year. true. That's true. So maybe they would have been, maybe they would have been able to do something. Probably not, but <laughs> maybe, maybe. 
All right, so before we wrap up here, guys, do you want to remind you, uh, if you don't mind, to throw a like at the video. It helps other people find us, and if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Uh, that way you'll get notifications when we go live. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, guys, I mean, bye week. No game this weekend, obviously, so we won't be having a post-game show because there's no game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'll start with Adnan. He's Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, anything you want to close on? Anything you want to plug? Um, I wrote an article about uh, an Arthur Blank interview promising some diversity in the head coaching and GM candidates. So, you know, of course, uh, Eric Bieniemy and Louis Riddick is most people's first choice first choices for those jobs so you know hopefully hopefully we have those guys in atlanta uh come next season unless raheem morris of course goes seven and oh to finish up the season um but yeah so check that out and um good riddance to, t- to tack as uh as eric said <laughs> bye yeah <laughs> eric savagely kicking tack to the curb uh, that's fine. That's what the fans. That's what the people Exi- came for. Exile to Cincinnati. Exi- to Cincinnati to the Bengals. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we are also joined by Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, anything you want to close on tonight? Um. Yeah. Actually, I do. Wear your mask. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all I want to plug. Everybody knows how good the Falcoholic website is, but my plug tonight. Wear your damn mask. Come on, man. Wear the mask of Falcons website. I'm trying to get over COVID, dude. I'm tired of this. Thing. Yeah, we're trying to get out of here. Hey, there was that vaccine that's apparently, you know, looking good. So maybe we'll have that 90%. eventually. We'll have that eventually. So 90%. that'd be nice. Unfortunately, it's the one that's like the hardest to distribute because it has to be I'm seeing stored. All these, I'm seeing all these college games being postponed. Right. It's so urgent, dude. Shocking to me that college kids, you know, can't manage to socially distance. Yeah, still cars <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we expected from college kids. Was, but. I, I can't remember. Was it the LSU? Was it LSU? I, one program was like, man, the players caught it because they went to a, a Halloween party. Why the hell they going to a Halloween party? They're college kids, man. <laughs> like, what do you expect? Damn, twenty-one-year-olds. What are they thinking? <laughs> yeah, saying, they're man, not I, thinking. I don't want to party, but dang, dude, like we're in the middle of a pandemic, bro. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to go to a party right now. Uh, 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 are the, you know they're young, but there is no excuse for Dan Mullen calling for you know a full swamp and then uh, you know getting COVID a few days later. That doesn't help. Yeah, Neither does help. rushing the field at at Notre Dame. That doesn't help either. What do y'all no. do? Right. Hey, hey, they beat Clemson. They beat the one seed. They're fourth in the nation. Like, come on, man. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that was getting me, Trevor Lawrence is on the field who tested positive, and it was Notre Dame fans, like, running past him. You guys know. No, sick, no me too. What the heck is Trevor Lawrence doing on the sidelines? That's true, yeah. Why, yeah. Why is he on the field in front? Why is he there? Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Cool. Wear your mask. Wear right. your mask. Wear your mask, folks. Hopefully not for too much longer, but until then, keep it on. Uh, also with us tonight, Keenan Forney, former Falcons guard. He's on Twitter at kforney65 uh, and on Instagram at f65performance. Keenan, anything you want to close on? Anything you want to plug for the people? Uh, yeah, uh, I want to backdoor. Well, not backdoor, but no more wood, my man. Uh... He Rob said, wear your mask, man, because uh, as uh, these cold months come through, you know, it's um, a lot more viruses start to come through, man. So uh, y'all want to keep football around, you better do what you're supposed to do. You know, 
Just like y'all say, the Ohio State game got canceled, the Texas A&M game getting canceled over the weekend, man. If we don't do what we're supposed to do, the season's going to stop early. And I know nobody wants that. So, please, uh, do what you're supposed to do. Mask up. Uh, put your sanitizer on. And also, too, give your boy a follow on uh, Instagram, you know, and lighter stuff. And and everybody say hello to uh, the mm-hmm. other member of our family, Lucky. Let's keep it light around. Oh, right? man. Hey, Lucky. What's up? Hey, yeah. <laughs> Very photogenic, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Pose right for the camera. Does, does Lucky want to give a shout out? Does Lucky want to? Lucky, you got a shout out? Plug something before we get out? <laughs> can, can Lucky rush the passer? <laughs> <laughs> she can rush some food. Yeah. And if some food falls on the ground, she's going to scoop it up and score. That's what she can get scoop and score, yeah. Fast and intact. We got a problem. <laughs> we got some problem. serious problems. Now, the Bengals got a problem. He's their problem now. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. We're going to have lots of good content this week at the Falcoholic for the bye week to keep you entertained. And then we will be back next Wednesday. Uh, for another show to get ready for that Saints game. Uh, it's going to be hate week. Very exciting. Lots of good stuff. Um, and just to give you guys an update, I know some people have asked about the Patreon and the uh, Discord. Those things are in the works. Uh, I know some folks were interested in having a Discord for the show, so I'm working on setting that up and getting that ready to go. So uh, that'll be fun. We can hang out and talk football, all that good stuff. Uh, and the Patreon also in the works. Um, but we just appreciate you guys and all your support, everyone, for tuning in tonight, uh, sticking with us through those YouTube technical difficulties. Luckily, those uh, dissipated. But uh, other than that, guys, we will see you next Wednesday. Enjoy your stress-free football Sunday, and we will talk to you then. Have a great night, folks. <laughs>